of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel starts with Jesus proclaiming his mission statement. He takes a scroll from Isaiah and he finds the place where it is said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom to prisoners. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to focus real quickly on the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus says this, he's referring to what's called the Jubilee year. The Jubilee year comes from the book of Leviticus, and it happens every 50 years. In the book of Leviticus, it says, you shall count seven weeks of years. What's seven times seven? 49 plus one is 50 every 50 years so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall be to you 49 years and you shall hallow the 50th year. Jubilee comes from the word Jobel, which is a ram's horn that would be blown to signal the start of this year. And there are two reasons why a Jubilee year happens. The first is liberation and freedom. Say this with me. Freedom. Freedom. It says in Leviticus, In the year of Jubilee, proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a Jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each shall return to his family. In the past, whenever you owed a debt to somebody, you wouldn't have a bank and say, oh, I'm going to give you back this money. What you would do is you would sell your services or if you owed a huge debt and you couldn't even sell your services, you would sell your very self. You would become a slave of a person. You would leave your family. You would leave your home. You would leave everything and you would now be the property of that person you owe a debt to. The book of Leviticus says, If your brother becomes poor beside you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children. Imagine you're a slave. Let's say it's the 28th year and you've been a slave for 22 years and you're still, you haven't even paid off your debt. And the year of Jubilee comes and now you're free. The year of Jubilee marks the time where there should be no more slaves in Israel. Every single person is set free. I don't care how much you owe, whatever debt you owe, you are now free because the year of Jubilee marks freedom. So say that with me again. Freedom. The second purpose of the year of Jubilee is rest. The book of Leviticus says, a Jubilee shall that shall be that 50th year. In it you shall neither sow nor reap whatever grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. For it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. In this year, every 50 years, no one is allowed to work. There should be no work for one full year. That sounds very unrealistic in our time. But this is so powerful because God desires that we take a break, that we rest. 
Jesus offers rest for all the burdens of our hearts, any anxieties, any struggles. Jesus offers rest. Jesus says, today this is fulfilled. I proclaim the year acceptable to the Lord. The year of Jubilee is now because I give you freedom and I give you rest. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and meek of heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. There is freedom and rest in Jesus. It may not feel that way. It may feel like we're just always struggling. Whether it's sin, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, bad language, lust, greed, materialism, worldliness. It might feel like I am not free from sin. Jesus proclaims freedom in your life through the forgiveness of your sins. It might not feel like you're at peace. Jesus says, come to me and receive it. I will be the Prince of Peace in your life. I proclaim Jesus has set us free from sin and gives us peace and rest. Amen? All right, good. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. Kids nowadays, they would say, you got to manifest it. No, we don't chill out, bro. You got to believe it, okay? You got to believe in Jesus. If you ever want freedom and peace, if you don't, then welcome to reality. Welcome to the world, which is actually fake reality. Jesus offers a different way. And that comes through the transformation of your heart. That comes from the law of love. He loves you. Why wasn't this accepted in Nazareth? He proclaims this beautiful word, and it wasn't accepted in his hometown. Notice the verse. Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, isn't this Joseph's son? Recognize how they were looking at Jesus in a worldly way. They were only seeing what they saw as he grew up. How beautiful actually it is to recognize that Jesus, in growing up, looked like a normal person. Isn't he just Joseph's son? But they weren't thinking spiritually. If you only receive the word that Jesus is giving you naturally and not supernaturally, it won't transform the heart. If you're only thinking in a worldly way, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this just some awesome guy. Like if you only think of Jesus as a really good person that gives us awesome words, but not actually the Messiah, the son of God, the giver of life, the prince of peace. If you don't think spiritually, you will not receive the freedom. You will not receive the peace because Jesus isn't your Lord. The world says where there is unlimited access to sin, there is freedom. Where you can do whatever you want and there's no consequences, that's freedom. St. Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
Where there is truth, there is true freedom is the ability to live the truth. I always, I always mention that Jesus says, he calls the Pharisees slaves. The Pharisees say, we're not slaves. We have no master. And Jesus says, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. It might feel like we're slaves. It might feel like we can't stop sinning. There's too much sin out there. Come to Jesus. Without him, you can do nothing. I preach to myself. The scripture takes a turn. Where Jesus says that this gift is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. And what, were the, what was the people's reaction? When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were filled with anger, filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, led him to the brow of the hill to desire to hurl him down headlong. With anger and wrath, they drove out Jesus. When God did not fit their image, they crucified him in anger. God doesn't do what we want, and so we reject him. We throw him out of our lives, and we say, get out. This message is for us, because it's not uncommon for us to be angry with God. I don't want you to raise your hands, but who here has ever been angry with God? There are different reasons. Sometimes we feel like we're preaching, trust in Jesus, trust in Jesus, trust in Jesus. And then it doesn't come out the way you wanted. You felt like God betrayed your trust. It's the most painful thing when you pray for something and you, you feel like God is saying, I'm going to deliver it. I'm going to give it to you. And then it doesn't happen. And you're like, God, you told me you were going to do this. Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. Lord, I'm asking. I'm asking. Come on. And it doesn't come. And you get angry. You prayed for the sick. And you felt like God's going to heal them. And they still died. Or you're just unhappy with life. And you feel like you need to blame somebody. And so God seems like a good target. Just going to blame God. What do we do when we're angry with God? What the people of Nazareth did was they threw Jesus out of their town. When you throw him out, he, had, he can do nothing else. Okay, you freely said no. But when you're angry with God or when you're angry with anybody, the last thing you want to do to somebody that you're angry with is talk to them. If you're angry with anyone right now, I would tell you talk to them and you'd be like, I'm good. And yet that's exactly what God wants you to do. When you're angry with him, be honest with him and say, Lord, I am angry at you. All throughout the Old Testament, there are instances of the Jews being angry with God and they communicate that anger with him. There's a whole book, the book of Lamentations, where they're angry with God. There are Psalms in the Bible where they're angry with God. Jesus himself on the cross refers to Psalm 22 and he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? 
I don't know if he was angry with God. He was actually making an act of faith. But he was still sharing the feeling of his heart. Lord, why does it feel like you've abandoned me? So what to do? Talk to him. Talk to him about that anger. And when you talk to him, make affirmations of faith. Romans 8.18. Say this with me. The present sufferings are as nothing compared to the glory to be revealed. Romans 8.28. All things work for good for those who love God. The book of Job is a great book of faith also, where Job has everything taken from him, and he says, blessed be God. And here's the truth as well. Anger and suffering cloud our judgment. Whenever we are angry, we need to be very careful about how and what we say. Anger clouds our judgment. And often we judge God in our anger and we're not judging in truth. That is not who God is. That's why we need to talk about it. We need to let it go. It's not true. Do not judge God through your anger and do not judge God in your image. Come to Jesus in truth. One more verse. Isaiah 55, whenever I'm confused and I'm like, why God? Isaiah 55 says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. When you don't understand, have faith. Talk about it. Do not give up. Do not throw Jesus out of your life. He is good. Amen? Amen. God is good. He's always good. And any suffering that comes, it's not because of him. He allows it to happen. It's a product often of sin. And God does not create sin. God does not create sinners. How about that? God does not create sinners. God, as we said last week, makes a new creation within us. The old is dead. The new has come to life. So come, Holy Spirit, live in our lives. Make us new again. Give us freedom and give us rest. Amen.